when we're swept up in the mind and we're on this stream of thoughts, it doesn't feel like we, there's a choice to move away from that. And so I think that's what meditation, the biggest thing that meditation does is it starts to put a pause in our day, a pause in our body, like our physical activity, just to sit. And it starts to put a little bit of space between, oh, I'm this body sitting here, but look at my mind, it's still going. So we start to see like, oh, that's not who I am. I don't always have to be swept up in that. All right, welcome back, everyone. Here we are at the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I got the beach with me today, and we're popping in with our monthly Ask the YT show. We'll say hello first so they know you're here. Hello, hello. I'm here. <laughs> it's really engaging, honey. We've come a long way. I feel I'm like it's been a long time since we sat down, because last month we did the recap, the Ironman recap with Mark on Ironman Louisville, and then... The September one was my cousin Barbara interviewing us in Asheville, North Carolina, That's which right. seems like months ago, which I guess it was months ago. And then in August, I believe it was the detachment from Placid episode from Placid. So it's just been a while since you and I have like sat down and like looked at each other in the eyes and not have to share a mic and be leaning in although i feel like we're we're, we're getting, getting a good groove yeah, on that yeah i feel like i'm getting more comfortable sitting next to you and not just sitting back and jumping in because <laughs> usually i look at you and you're like you're going in you're going in you're going in and then you kind of like look over and i'm like oh this is my opportunity but then you go back in <laughs> because it's all in the moment like right, we're just there the we don't have a list of questions it's just yeah where the conversation takes us yeah it's been fun so- it's been fun, and um, so we just did our pre-podcast pump up. And what did your pump up look like? Because they looked different, very different. What was I, your pump up? I like to I like to get put on my headphones uh, and and cue up a YouTube video of motivation. So today I queued up uh, one of my favorite ones is Les Brown. He's a motivational speaker. He's been doing it for decades, I believe, but. It's just a compilation of speeches and and motivation tactics, I guess, that really I connect with. And so there's some with compilations of different people speaking, but today was just Les Brown. And what did he say? Just, (laughs) I don't know if I can recall it. What did you pull away from it? What was the feeling? The feeling is is just, um, if you're too comfortable, then something's not right. You should not be comfortable. You know, <laughs> and I take that to heart because I get comfortable a lot and I crave comfortableness, or at least I did before we went on this journey. And I know we'll get into this, but reaching for something that scares you, you know, whatever that is, pursue it. And that's sort of been the mindset since we've gotten on this adventure, right? Yeah, I mean, it was comfortable it's... being in Newport and we talk about it a lot in our house and our job and our lifestyle, but this has been an uncomfortable experience. Yeah. I mean, more so than ever. More so than ever mm-hmm. for me right now. Why is that? Well, let me tell about my pump up. Let's hear your pump up. <laughs> Sorry, I was jumping ahead. <laughs> Not like anybody could guess what my pump up was. My pump up was a meditation. And I just sat here for 10 minutes. And what I focused on today, which I thought would be really suiting and something I've, I've been focusing on the last couple of days 
and we'll get into it. We'll get into why, but it really has to do with this uncomfortableness that I'm sitting in. But today I just focused on my solar plexus, which is just above your navel. So I started there. So I just closed my eyes. So if anybody wants to try and do this, like, let's say you're doing a presentation or you have to confront something or you're just feeling fearful, you want to tap into that solar plexus, which is in your, um, your chakra system, right? So you could call it your energetic spine, not like your physical spine, but your energetic spine would be the lineup of your chakras. And like the endocrine system in the body, it's almost like they all work off each other. So if one's out of balance, the whole situation is out of balance. And But today I really just wanted to tap into that power. So I closed my eyes and I just physically felt that part of my body, like above my navel, that area there. And the color associated with it is yellow. So I just thought about yellow. I love lemons. So I thought about like a lemon and um, it can get, if you do that, like, let's say you just do that for three to five minutes, it can get really intense just feeling that because there's so much in there. And then when it starts to get really, really intense, I bring up my focus to my heart, which would be the color green associated with that. And I try and merge the two of them together. So literally between like my navel and just below my collarbone, the whole thing, like by the end, and this was 10 minutes, felt like it was like this massive, like throbbing life force in there. And I did that because for me to walk into anything, to be able to share fully and authentically and without a pre-planned agenda, it's really important for me to get quiet first because it just takes us a step out of our thinking minds. And even if you sit in meditation and your mind's going crazy, you're still sitting in meditation and you're able to see it. So there is a part of you that's starting to not associate with those thoughts. So if you have a busy mind, like it's absolutely a yes for meditation. It's not a no. A lot of people don't think that they can do it because they have a busy mind. And I often wonder if anybody has a busier mind than me. What? So what constitutes a busy mind? For those out there that are think they just heard you say that and they're like, well, I don't have a busy mind. So, oh, here's a good example. Today we were doing drills in the pool and we did a 200 at the end with paddles to work on strength. And you said, go nice and slow. And so I came, finished up the 200 and I popped out of the water and you said, um, so what did you feel? And I said, what do you mean what I feel? And you said, well, what were you feeling during that? And I said, well, I was kind of thinking. And you said, what were you thinking about? I said, Sid Garza Hillman. <laughs> who's the race director for the Mendocino 50 Ultra, 50K Ultra that I just signed up for. And you said, why were you thinking about him? And then I, it started with Enie Jones, who analyzed our strokes in Boulder. And I was thinking about Enie and how we have a podcast coming up with her, which is awesome, and how she really has gone against the grain in the swimming um, field and, and just has so authentically and organically and divinely come up with these drills that make so much sense when she describes them to you. So I was thinking like, God, she really lives against the grain. And then I started to think, well, that's why I feel so petrified right now is because we're living against the grain. And then I thought, I'm so scared to do this ultra that I just signed up for. And that's going against my own grain. And then I started thinking about Sid Garza Hillman, who's the race director, who's also big in the plant-based world. And it's around this vegan inn, the Stanford inn. I mean, 
All of this is happening in the span of 200 yards. Three and a half minutes, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even forgot. So what I'm saying is that it's, I describe it like this a lot. It's the monkey mind. So my monkey mind grabbed a, grabbed a vine in the jungle that said Eenie Jones on it. And then I just kept swinging to the next vine, to the next vine, to the next vine, to the next vine. And when I finished the 200, I was like, oh, I feel a little soreness, like in a little um, deltoid muscle in my left arm, which tells me that I was probably going back into some old patterns there because I wasn't aware of what I was doing, right? Because that's not where we swim from. Most people are swimming from these little deltoid muscles, but we should be swimming from our lats and our retractors. And these are what the drills are for. And it happened to be on the weak side that I'm working on. So would that describe maybe a busy mind? It, it definitely it definitely <laughs> describes a busy mind. I mean, mind. It was, Opposed- I actually almost swam like into the cement wall because I was thinking like, oh, it'd be so cool if we could get Sid on the, on the podcast and think, I mean, the body, like, thank God we breathe and our heart beats automatically because we'd all be dead if we actually had to think yeah, about be running that. into the wall or we'd be into dead line. we'd yeah. be dead so does that describe a busy mind it does yeah and i, I was mean, surprised because we're in we're, you looked surprised i did we're, we're, <laughs> because we're doing drills it's the off season we're focusing on our stroke there's no need to really focus on endurance at this point it's all about you know two three months of just strength building and and drills and and really fine-tuning the body and we got into the pool and we just did drills. And then you told me you were, your mind was off. Not off, but it was off, you know, searching for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had just done a half an hour of drilled focus, like 25 yard, dr- very specific. You where to I the was the pool. actually focused because right. we were talking about where we were feeling. Right, because we're, we're both working on our left, yeah. left, left side strokes. Yes, which is... we have similar dysfunctions, <laughs> right. yet so far apart, <laughs> yet so different. But it was just surprising to hear that, but... You acknowledge that, and I think that you, you acknowledge the monkey mind. And for those out there, it's it's not wrong or right to have a monkey mind, but are you aware of it? So when you go, were into meditation just now, you were very there. Oh, I was so when you were focused, and when you were in the pool, you were away. So there are there is no right or wrong. There is no perfect timing. It's just continuing to work on bringing yourself back in that moment. And this ten minutes was for you to meditate yeah. and to prepare. Yeah. Yeah, and the so sometimes the monkey mind, like sometimes the mind will go. I'll be doing something. Let's say I'm try, really try not to do it with cooking because I feel like our mindset when we prepare food is so uh, impactful on the nutrition of the food. But let's just take food for example. If I'm preparing food and then I'm trying to like watch an episode of The Office or something that I've got like on the computer because I just want to zone out. Like it's almost, I understand that that's what I'm doing and I'm not giving my full attention to the food. It's almost like a conscious choice. But today was completely unconscious. It was like the mind came in and swooped me up and just took me away and I had no idea that that was happening. And that's... I think what is more common. Also, what is common with that is that when we're swept up in the mind and we're on this stream of thoughts, it doesn't feel like we there's a choice to move away from that. And so I think that's what meditation, the biggest thing that meditation does is it starts to put a pause in our day, a pause in our body, like our physical activity, just to sit and it starts to put a little bit of space between, oh, I'm this body sitting here, but look at my mind, it's still going. So we start to see like, 
oh, that's not who I am. I don't always have to be swept up in that. So I had been thinking, I, I was get kind of thinking a lot about this podcast the last couple of days and what we were going to talk about. And, you know, I think the overarching theme is the tour because we're in Arizona now and we've run out of states. We're, we're one state away. Yeah. It's the next state. And, right. um, so what's next? We're, we're, we just had that conversation. We should start thinking about <laughs> where in California we should start. Yeah. It's becoming real. Right? Yeah, it's becoming real. So uh, how are you feeling about it? Like being here in Arizona and knowing the next step is to go to California. Like this is like the quote unquote end point. And I think one of the reasons why this is the theme for today's talk is because I am getting a lot of texts and we're getting a lot of questions about what's next. Where are you now? And I think that that's, that answer's big. <laughs> Where are we now? And what's next? And where are you going to live? And what are you going to do? And how are you going to make money? And um, are you going to open a yoga studio? And all of these questions that we're getting. And we have one answer, which is like, we don't know. But I want to go in a little bit deeper to that unknown. So to get back to the question I just asked was, how are you feeling about this right well, now? I just want to say, back to that, people are asking us, and they don't, and we reply, and they don't know how to respond. I and, and some people I think are like, Maybe this is projection, but like, like we're not participating in the conversation. Like we're being rude, or we're trying to right. hide. But we something. truly don't know. Or like they're disappointed. You know, like that's not a fun answer. It, because if we set up, <laughs> if we set up hard lines, the whole the whole experience has been to to release and to and to let this adventure come to us and just be there and let it flow and not try to put hard lines on it. If we were to say we're going to move to San Diego. That's putting a hard line on San Diego. We've never been to San Diego. We've never, we've never spent any time in California. Therefore, we, I think we would be doing the tour and this whole experience a disservice if we set up an end goal. Like we have that, we have the, the end vision of somewhere warm in California, right? <laughs> I think. That's the vision. Yeah. And back to, we could go back to Cal, uh, Colorado. We could find a place here in Arizona. We don't know. So how am I feeling? That's what I'm truly embracing is this continued experience of just letting go and seeing where things take us. We had a discussion of opening up a yoga studio and possibly starting back up with web design for myself and you being a yoga teacher. And that quickly dissolved because that's just going back into the same pattern that we just left. Well, I felt like we were starting to get attached to the yoga studio idea because we'd been practicing at a lot of studios along the way. And there is no right way to teach yoga. I just want to say that. <laughs> but the type of yoga that I teach and the type of yoga that I'm schooled in and the type that you're schooled in, BJ, is a lot of silence and space, no music, very, very little words coming Heat. out of the teacher's mouth. Heat. Yeah. Warmth. And then and then what our not warm. Yeah. Hot. Like what our what our pleasure center is like is like a hot, sweaty studio. And so we would walk into a studio and it would say hot yoga and it would be 86, which to me is like weak coffee. 
And so again, it's, you know, for some people, 86 degrees is hot. So anyway, we were coming out of these yoga classes and we were like, wow, this is, we just really need to open our own studio because we feel like there's a market out there and there's people who are searching for what we have to offer. And, um, because I find it to be so transformative when it's hot, when there's no mirror, when there's no music, when the teacher is not talking for the majority of the time. It, it makes it really, really challenging. I mean, this is this ups your mental game big. But I think what happened was we were, I mean, we have a name for the yoga studio. We had a vision for the yoga studio. I could see Clark laying behind the counter. We were talking about what kind of check-in. And I think it's really cool to have these exercises. But when I sat down one day for a session with, with meditator Bob, I was telling him how, you know, it's really exciting. And we're thinking about opening a yoga studio. And he said, don't limit yourself. Just watch, watch how you're limiting yourself. And I thought, my first reaction was like, that's not limiting ourselves, that's living our dreams. And then I'm like, that is limiting ourselves because it's putting like the structure to what we're gonna do and maybe opening a yoga studio is something that's gonna happen. Maybe it's gonna happen in six months, three months, the first week we get there, or maybe it's gonna happen in 20 years or never. And maybe there's something else that's bigger Maybe it's different. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I felt like we were starting to get attached to it. Like I, we were even saying, okay, it's going to be a cruelty-free, we're only going to use cruelty-free products. It's going to be a vegan business, which was inspired by our recent guest, Eric Lindstrom from The Meaty Vegan. And it's a beautiful vision. And so it's about holding that vision, but then not attaching to it. Like it's not a, it's, it's a vision that sits there for me and it's beautiful. And I feel like it... It would be such a transformative space for people, but uh, it's not a must. There can't be any musts. No, because that's a limiter. It's a limiter. Why not something more? Why not something higher? Why not something bigger? Why not something greater? Or maybe something small. Like, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I felt like we were starting to get attached to that. So yeah, I agree. I don't think the studio at this moment in time is something I'd like to pursue. Right, we, because then I started to freak out because I was thinking, well, that's an anchor. Then we have to live there. Then I have to teach. And then I started to freak out. And it's, here's how the mind works. I have this amazing vision, which is like, it's a dream come true. And then I start freaking out because I've got all these classes to teach. And what if, what if teachers call in sick and I'm like, oh my God, none of this even exists. And I'm already having issues with the business. Yeah, we're still in Arizona. <laughs> well, I mean, at the time I was God knows where. So we've driven over 5,000 miles at this point and we're here in Arizona and we're gonna go to California this week. Packing up. And to- we've, we've been here for a week now yeah. in Arizona. And when we, when we get to places where we stay for a week, we sort of call it home or every place we've been to sort of call it, it home. It feels like home. But we unpack and it's, we settle in with, with what we consider settling in. And Clark has no clue because he's enjoying this thing every moment. He's actually at daycare right now mm-hmm. with his best bestie, um, Cabrina. But here we could stay or find a place to stay, but I, I feel so compelled to keep moving west. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're both on the same page, I think. Well, I think so. Yeah, I think we are. I think I've been, I think 
I know that I've been really unearthing some super intense energies. And it started, I really feel like it started when we got to Colorado and we were driving and, and it was just really expansive and the sky was big. And I, there was this moment and it was so, so subtle, but so all encompassing and powerful where I, I understood in this moment that we are supposed to live out West. There was no question in my mind. I felt full. I felt like I was going home. I felt a knowing. It was, it was the first time that I had felt this, like the universe threw me a bone and said, yes, you are, you are on the right track in so many ways. And since then, so that was it went Colorado, Utah, Arizona. And since then, I have been really like, I feel like I've been living like in this duality of living my spiritual self and being so committed to my meditation. And then also like absolutely battling with fear and self-worth and like, is it enough? Have we done enough? Um, and this is the battle. I mean, this is the, this is, I have the Bhagavad Gita out here because I was just looking up this, this part in the book that I'll reference. But so we got to Colorado and I posted about this on our Facebook page in those first couple of days. I just felt like it was such a big test. We were running into people and people were like, oh, you moved back. And there were people who were asking, found out that we were there and asking a friend of ours if I was going to be doing massage. And I mean, it was like, it was like Colorado, it was like Boulder was saying like, come back, set up your home. You can start making money tomorrow. Like it's all here for you. And when I talked to Bob about that, he was saying, yeah, it's all there for you. And what else is there for you are your old patterns and your old habits and the things that you used to do when you lived there. And I thought, oh, yeah, those are here too. Because I felt myself falling back into them when we were there. And then we, we had a great time there. I mean, that was like a few days. And we both realized at some point that, no, this is not the end of the trip. Like we would really be, we would be remiss if we didn't keep going west. So then we went to Utah, which was going to be a quick stopover because it was like, get to California. And we ran and up, met up with the Iron Cowboy, who every day was like that voice saying, just stay. Just stay. Just Yeah, train. we were supposed to be there for two days, I believe. Yeah. And, and James Lawrence and crew kept us there for like six days. We ended up staying with his friends, Kim and John, in their amazing home and um, with all the kids. And we had a cookout. I mean, it was like we were one of the we're family. part of the family. In Park City area, it was like a playground. Salt Lake City. Or Salt Lake City. It was a playground. It was such a playground, mountain biking. Um, it was warm still. It, it was, you know, yeah. the warm, warmth was still coming. Of course, it would get cold, but you could run the streets. And mm -hmm. Billy, uh, a friend of ours that we met in Lake Placid, actually was planning to come up to Utah as well. So that kind of uh, had us hang around a bit. Yeah. And it was, Utah was cool. Like it Utah, was cool. again, was an experience where it was like, could you live here and, and set up life and... You know, it was a possibility. Everything... It was a possibility, but it was a no. It was a no. 
you know, we say the Iron Cowboy is the one that kept us there. But every morning we would be like, let's, yeah, we're not supposed to leave yet. And then there was one day that we were both like, it's time to go. And we left. But a couple days before that, I had these really crazy dreams all night. And it was all like old, old stuff. My high school boyfriend and all this sadness and all this stuff that um, I used to deal with when I was younger. And I woke up that morning and I felt like I was back in my room at my parents' house and I was 16 years old and I was just in my closet crying into my pillow. That's how I felt. It was so, it was so real and I felt suffocated and I felt like I needed space and, and I went into the room and I started journaling and then you came into the room and I walked out of the room because I just needed space and you just said, are you okay? And I said, I just need space. Like I just need space. And I was journaling like crazy. My journal entry is insane from that day. And no questions asked, you left and you just gave me the space I needed. And after that, I had a session with Bob and and we were just talking, he was just talking to me about all this old stuff that's coming up for me, um, all this expansive healing that's available. And I think it's readying me for whatever is waiting for us on the West Coast. But it was really, really intense. And it's this overarching theme of me always trying to belong, you know, and trying to belong in things. And he was just telling me, like, you don't always have to belong. You know, don't dip your energy lower to be accepted. Let the lower energies come to you. So it went through a huge transformation when we were in Utah. And then we came here. And now what I'm experiencing is absolute <laughs> paralyzing fear. And so I'm balancing that with my spirit self, which knows like you have to take this next step. You have to keep going. And I was thinking about like, we could even get a winter rental and just stay here in Arizona. Or we could stay at my sister's house for a little bit longer. And so anyway, I, I picked up the Bhagavad Gita after my meditation this morning. And there's this part where Krishna is talking to Arjuna right before the battle and Arjuna does not want to fight. He does not want to fight the battle. He is par- he, he says that his will is paralyzed and he's so confused. And I absolutely can relate to that so well right now. And Krishna, Krishna just says to him, like, this despair and weakness, which is the other piece of what I'm experiencing in a time of crisis, right? So like a time of this huge life change that we're about to walk into, it's, it's mean and unworthy of you. Because we are, we are so much more powerful than this, like, this despair and this weakness and this fear and the paralysis that can come from that if we allow it. And he, and he basically just says to him, like, stand up and fight. And I feel like for me right now, I have to stand up and fight. Like, I have to stand up and drive the car west and see what's out there for us because never more so than now have I had no clue about what our life's going to look like. I have no idea. Like whatever it is that's there is just so much bigger now and it's closer and it's calling louder. And I mean, 
it might be my death. Like it could be my death. I don't even know. Like it feels that big. I don't know what it is, but we have to keep going. And it's petrifying to me. So on that note, not only does the Bhagavad Gita say to fight, but we just watched the Iron Cowboy movie, which for me is pretty inspirational because I just feel so connected with that experience that we had. And he said, whatever you're going through, whatever trials and tribulations you're having, it's hard. Fight. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. But when you live your life awake, it's so big and vast and limitless. And that is right now is just petrifying to me. It's not easy at all. And so I know, like I know we're going to get in that car Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday. No, I think it's going to be, I feel, I honestly feel like it's going to be Thursday that we get into the car. But so we're going to post this. I know, but who knows? But we're going to post this podcast on Friday. So we better have our asses in the car by the time this thing launches. That's all I'm saying. No, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But I, I feel that intuitively. I feel that. And, you know, after my meditations every day, I have an exercise that I do that strengthens intuition. And so I've really been practicing that very steadfastly um, for many months and definitely in the last few weeks when I've just really been going through a lot of transformation. And, and essentially what, what's happening, I think, with me is that the old part of me that I have um, really transcended in so many ways is the deep, deep, deep seeds of her are coming up. And they're asking me to go back. And they're asking me to be her again. And I, I can be her and like the snap of a finger. Like I can, I'm so good at being her. Because it's easy and comfortable. And you already know. Yeah, but it's, it's easy and comfortable. But it's, it's, it's skin crawlingly uncomfortable and awful to be her. I don't want to be her anymore. But this idea of like, I have to belong. Am I doing enough? I'm never doing enough. Nothing is good enough. And, you know, I hope somebody who's listening can can relate to this, but until you start to put that mirror in front of you and really look like the self-reflection and look at yourself, like you don't know that these things are there. And I was just sharing um, a story with our friend Shelby when we were in Colorado about how when we lived in Boulder, there was a, there was a time, I remember it, thinking to myself, I'm so glad I have nothing to work on, right? That is not putting a mirror in front of you. And and even just hearing myself think that, I was like, mm, that seems that seems odd. Considering every person I look at, I think they have something to work on. And then I started to look outside of myself and what I was seeing in other people. And anyway, that's really what started to transform me. But that person is, she's coming back like these little seeds. And I think it's because we've put ourselves out there so much and we're so raw and we're so open and we're so vulnerable and we have nothing. I have a carry-on suitcase. I mean, we have, we have nothing, but we have everything. You know, I have my clothes in a suitcase. I still have one pair of running shorts. So when you shed all that material noise, it's just you. And I think that it's all healing and I'm doing, 
if we are going to rate me on a spiritual scale, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good with it. But I just want to be really honest about this. Uh, like I'm feeling like not as much as I was a couple days ago, but like paralyzed. I understand now what the paralysis of fear is like. Yeah. So that said, we're going to California and the quote unquote plan is to start in San Diego. And then what? Drive. <laughs> More. Drive and find a place that speaks to us. Mm-hmm. I, I continually say, how can we even say where we want to go without even I know. visiting or experiencing it? I can say one thing, though. Since we've been here in Arizona, I'm digging this heat. Yeah, and I, I know love you are warmth. as well. I love the warmth. It's been sunny and warm. And that's what we wanted. I, I think our bodies crave it. Our minds crave it and it's something we need to experience and not to say that we will never be back but right now i i want to be warm and the places that we're targeting california we're going to go from san diego and then drive north i believe yep drive north and just keep going i don't know it would be fun to go all the way up to mendocino and check out where i'm I'm going to be be running that my first ultra which is another thing that scares the heck out of me because the difference between an ultra and the different in like an Ironman is like an Ironman. There's people always around you and you're on the road and it's like there's an aid station every mile on the run. And here the aid stations are anywhere from five and a half to like seven and a half miles apart. And there's only SIDS limiting it to 150 runners over the course of, you know, 50K. So it's just over 30 miles. So I feel like there's going to be times where I'm going to be in the woods and there's no one going to be, I can't see anyone in front of me and I can't see anyone behind me. And I don't know if I had some kind of horrible wild animal attack in another life, but that petrifies me. And so it's really exciting. And that was a big motivator because like you said, if you're like, you got to be uncomfortable, you said something at the beginning of this. And so that really scares me. And I am, I'm so committed to doing things that scare me. I just, I had no idea that I was going to be this scared at this point in the trip. It's almost shocking. I know. (laughs) And I'm falling apart. This 50 K to me, I, I would jump in it too. If I wasn't trained, like that 50 K does not scare me one bit. The distance doesn't scare me. But doing it, I don't. But going out there and running it and doing it, like I, I'm craving that. And for those out there who don't know me that well, <laughs> I'm trying to get to Kona so that I can do endurance running. <laughs> like I yeah. want to check this box off. I want to do endurance running. So to see you doing this, I always thought I'd be the first one doing no. a 50k. But I think you were the first one to do a marathon too. Or yeah. did we do Denver together? We might have done there Denver. was something else that you were always going to be the first one to do, and I did it first. There's I always, don't know. It always happens that way. You, as you descri- jump in first. Yeah, as described many times, I'm a jumper, but that doesn't mean that I'm not. A lot of times I'm jumping with sheer excitement, and sometimes I'm jumping with total fear. And this is kind of a fear thing, but I am excited. And it was, it was really born from when we interviewed Gene Bauer at Farm Sanctuary, and we said, what's next? And he said, well, I think I'm going to do this. Ultra, I think I'm gonna do my first ultra in Mendocino. And it was like, as soon as he said that, I was like, I'm doing that too. And not because I was like, I'm doing that too. Oh, I wanna go and race with you. It was like, it was, there was a part of me that, the part of me that already knows what's happening in the future, the part of me 
my spirit self, my true self, who already knows like, oh yeah, that was part of the deal when you came into this world, you were going to do this. Like it, it was like the knowing, it was the knowing of when we crossed over to the West and it was just like, this is where we're supposed to live on this part of the country. It was like this knowing, like you're going to do it. So I can't put that off. I signed up and I'm really excited. And so I hope everyone will enjoy that journey with me. I'll document it as much as I can. We're super, I'm super fired up that you're doing that race. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so, it's, it's, it's a big carrot out there, I feel, for the both of us, because I'll be training you for it, and you're going to be actually running it, and you're going to follow it up three weeks later with a half Ironman. Yeah, then I'm going to do a half Ironman three weeks later, which is really fun, because that's something in the past where I would have judged someone like, oh, they're doing an ultra, and then they're doing it, that's too much, and I'm like, is it, or have you just are always been secretly like jealous. And I think maybe I've just been secretly jealous. Like, I want to do that. I just want to throw caution to the wind and do a 50K and then three weeks later do a half Ironman. So that's what I'm doing. You could do that tomorrow. And I'm super excited about that. Like that, yeah, that doesn't scare me at all. But when I signed up for my first half Ironman, there was fear, right? So it's like, it's just step by step by step, facing the fear, showing up in each moment to whatever it is, like just if it's tears, if it's suffocation, if it's excitement, showing up to that every moment and then deciding, making a choice in that moment of how are you going to move forward? And then you make another choice in the next moment of how are you going to move forward? Sorting out, the other thing that meditation really does is it helps me sort out. Like when I felt myself saying, well, we could just stay here for two weeks. I'm like, you are so delaying the inevitable stop delaying you know so it's it's walking the walk it's totally walking and i'm i am absolutely willing to put it out there and i will walk that walk like nobody's going to walk that walk more than i am i will absolutely practice what i teach but i am still human so i want people to know that i get scared sometimes too it's okay to be scared but mm-hmm. you're you're committed yourself and you're pursuing the path you're staying on the path whatever that looks like, and the fears come in and out, you're not letting them grab a hold of you and, no. and shift you left or right or back. You're, you're grabbing them letting and understanding them and moving forward, yeah. continually moving forward. And that's, yeah. that's the difference that I see from an outside observer is you're not letting them grab hold of you. No, absolutely not. I mean, they're super intense. I really feel like I'm pulling out some very, very, like if you... Think about gardening and like pulling out like the deep, deep root vegetables. You know, if you think about that same thing as like karmic seeds that are planted in your soul, that's what I'm pulling out. You know, years of meditation allows you to just start doing this and it just happens on it on its own, but you have to work with the energy that's coming up. And, and that's what I've that's what I've been training to do. And that's what this whole tour has been about, you know? So to think that, to think that we were going to do something this big and not have something big towards the end happen, you know, or feel is just silly. Like the whole thing is just training. It's just training for the next thing. And training comes in different Mm -hmm. forms because while you, while I left you in your experience there at the, at the Airbnb, I was driving 45 minutes down to meet up with the Iron Cowboy to do a swim. I didn't know anybody else. I was just going to find the pool and go meet up with him and and do a workout, which 
by the way, I haven't swam since <laughs> Louisville, <laughs> Ironman Louisville. So it was like getting in the pool with Iron Cowboy, who's five weeks out from Ironman Cozumel. That's just one Ironman. He's done 80 something other ones. So back to the tour, this whole experience is, is getting out of your comfort zone. And to, for me to go down there and just put myself into the pool with him was a little was a little intimidating, but it's it's all part of this. What is What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of going down there and not knowing anyone. I'm afraid of going down there and trying to swim, but I have to stop at the end of the wall. I'm afraid of what people will think of me because I say I, I'm an Ironman athlete, but I get down there and I can't hold the paces. All these thoughts are going through yeah. my mind. Like I've got teachers calling in sick to a yoga studio that doesn't exist. Right. So be in the moment. And I had a great time. And yeah. I met Kim and, and she invited us back to... Yeah, their amazing home their, where we stayed. Amazing place. And yeah. then <laughs> with the Iron Cowboy constantly asking us to stay longer and longer, my fears started to creep up because he was in, inviting me to this ride on Saturday. Oh, the big ride on this Saturday. This big ride where mm-hmm. him and Casey, uh, one of his wingmen, and Billy would be up. And let me just say, these: all these guys are training for Cozumel. So I'm on the way down in my training effort and volume and fitness, and they are <laughs> almost peaking, if not peaked, in their Ironman fitness. And so I had a little bit of trepidation, and I, I've, I, was in, I was not feeling confident, I guess you could say. And what I'm working on in my meditation is the self-doubt, you know, nullifying the self-doubt and working with Bob. That's something we're really focused on. So... Saturday came and and we headed out in the dark. It was a 7 a.m. start and it was still dark out and we just got going and it was a little chilly and we met up with some with Casey and Kyle and we got out on the on the road and riding along, riding along. I had no idea what to expect. And it was one of those moments and one of those rides and one of those experiences that I will always look back on now in the new bj form and with my new mentality of getting out there that it's it's changed me we ended up doing six 30 minute sets and what does that mean what's a set so it's an interval so you would go 30 minutes hard and then 10 minutes like perceived effort what well it was it's slightly above ironman pace so so bottom bottom is e4 yeah you know, I was watching my heart rate and I don't know where things are on the bike but you right got now. Like a, you got a steady burn in your legs and you're holding that for 30 Yeah, minutes. and actually I was pushing. I did not know it was six sets until we were done with the fourth set. So Which the, is essentially three hours of right. hard work on the bike. Exactly. <laughs> and I had done limited biking since Louisville. Right. But I felt like I had something left in the tank. I will say that in the well, back of my mind. Well, it sounded like when I came to pick you up that day, uh, James and everybody was saying that you absolutely mopped the floor with them, that you were killing them on the bike. Let's keep it in perspective, though. <laughs> they had done long runs and and long, you know, swim sets, and I was just, I was out there riding. But yeah, I mean, I had a great, I felt great out there. I pushed it on the third one, pushed it really hard on the fourth one, and then I realized we had two more. <laughs> but that, so let's talk about that, because that was the mental game. That was the shifting gears of, and I did it, I did it so simply. It just was automatic. It wasn't going down the rabbit's hole of, oh my God, I got two more. How am I going to hang? I'm just going to tuck in behind someone and just hang. 
automatically it shifted to like, okay, let's get after it. Next one, go. Fifth yeah. one, sixth one. It was an out and back, even more challenging and just go. So I feel like the meditation in that moment is what I've been working on. And and you talked about the the universe throwing you a little bit of a little bit of a bone. I feel like the same thing happened on that day. It was like, here's what you've been working for. It just it's all moving towards putting yourself out there. Being okay with failure. Truly being okay with failure. I've said it before. I, you know, I'm okay if I fail or if I don't have the race result I want. But can you truly... Can you walk that walk? Embrace that and walk that walk. And I don't think I was able to walk that walk before, but... Well, I think it's incre- it's incremental. It all builds, you know, another quote from the Bhagavad Gita, like, no effort on this path is a waste. Not one, not one moment where you take a conscious breath is ever wasted. It all starts to add up. And I was there in the moment. It's I was, just the way you yeah, live. Yeah, it was just, it's just, it all, it's everything that we've been talking about and living and breathing and... You start to master life. It was the best experience and being able to ride with other people was really cool. Billy and Casey, we finished it out um, and I met new people. I don't know if, I, if I'm conveying the experience as well as I've felt I was there in the moment, but... It captivated me. Mm-hmm. And it's something that has shifted in my mindset and in my physical ability where I will carry this through the 2017 season. And it wasn't too long after that that I signed up for two Ironmans in, in one night. Yeah. So all of the races that we've signed up for are in Northern California. So let's do a quick rundown of where the Yogi Triathletes are going to be next year. We, um, and, and this isn't all the Yogi Triathletes because our athletes are Yogi Triathletes too. But we're going to be at the Mendocino 50K. April 22nd. April 22nd. I can't imagine a better way to spend Earth Day than to face my fears in the woods. And then three weeks later, we're going to be at Santa Rosa 70.3. And then the following month, we're going to be at, is it, is it June or July? End of July. Last End of week July, in July, we're going to be at Santa Rosa Ironman distance. BJ is racing. I'm not racing at this point. And then we're going to be at Ironman Arizona in november November. of next year and then we'll see what else crops up let's um let's switch gears a little bit so we're in arizona i feel like i'm gonna throw up thinking about what's ahead of us but i'm also equally really really excited about what's to come i mean i think i made that really clear about what i've been experiencing and and never more so in my entire life have i ever not known what's going to come and I used to be somebody who was such a planner and I had to know, I always had to know what time it was. I always had to know how many more miles we had in the car. I always had to know like what was next and I have no idea. So huge, huge shift for me in the way that I live. But we've been on the road now for over four and a half months. It's going to be five months next week. And let's just talk about, I want to ask like, let's just talk about a couple cool highlights like what was was one of the best meals we had on the road one of the best meals wow what's one of the best meals that you've had on this trip candle 79 new york city unbelievable i was gonna say originally i had thought jen's jackfruit 
Slappy Those Joe's were super in good. Alexandria, Virginia was amazing. Katie's plant-based fettuccine Alfredo in Nashville, Tennessee, which I have now been recreating um, with her ingredient list. That's amazing. But Candle 79 was unreal. And we had been in touch with the owner there and back and forth and just had such a sweet exchange with her. And the interview just didn't happen. She couldn't get into the city. And so I feel like we'll meet up with her again at some point. I would say that was like the best meal. Remember, I mean, just everything all the way to dessert was, was delicious. unreal. Yeah. And that's on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I want to say some of the some of the meals we made camping oh, were yeah. really good. We were using the Coleman stove and just whipping up super simple yeah. meals, whatever that was. There was one meal that we actually did a video on, and it was sun-dried tomatoes and asparagus, and maybe it was, I think it was quinoa. I'm not sure if it was farro, but we'll, I'll put a link to that video. That meal was really, really good. So that was really fun. That was the first eight weeks of the trip that we camped. What was one of the most transformative moments or most potent or most intense moments? I feel when we were at Farm Sanctuary, being there in the presence of these animals, standing next, I think we had volunteered a few days before. So we were, you know, in the, in the stalls and cleaning the animals and able to, to check in with them. But when we went on that tour and we were standing with the cows, they were so big enormous and we were petting them and and really super close and then we were able to go and see them in the field and watch them walk up and to watch the herd be in the middle of the herd walking towards us i don't even know how to explain it yeah but that they, was really unbelievable you could see in their eyes their eyes are so big and they're they're such big animals some of them were younger some of the newer rescues but Cows don't usually live very long before they're slaughtered. Even the dairy cows are just two before they're, you know, literally like almost milked to death and then they go to slaughter. And so some of these cows, like um, Frank- eight, 18 years old was one of the, or 28 was one of the cows, yeah. Kirsty, I think her name was. They're just amazing animals. And so to be up in that field when the main herd came up, it was, it was, it was just... It was jaw-dropping. It was so powerful. We were ahead of the herd, too, except for Frank Lee, who came out of the side tree, the trees on the side, and he came out. He stopped in the middle of the trail and looked back at us. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And we were like, is that Frank Lee? Oh, it was Frank Lee. I had come for Frank Lee. I had come for Frank Lee, and I had come for Julia, the pig, and frankly, actually wrote a blog post about that, and I'll put a link in. And Mouse, too. Mouse, the... Uh, oh, Mouse. Who so is... funny. <laughs> On our last day um, of of volunteering at Farm Sanctuary, I mean, we were just so exhausted. That was, that was such hard work, and then we would, like, do interviews, like, in the evening. And train. Or, and train, And yeah. we're living in a tent. And living in a 95 tent. 95 degree weather. Yeah, and yeah, it was crazy. And right before we were getting off, you know, for our last shift, Kevin, who was kind of our supervisor there, said, well, you know, 
we heard over the radio that Mouse had gotten a hold of a hose and he like soaked his pen. It was a total disaster. And so he said, well, you guys can go or you can come up and you can help me clean Mouse's pen. And we were like, absolutely. Let's clean it. So we went up to isolation where Mouse was. And then on the other side of Mouse was Cameron, who was the new piglet who had just arrived. And it was just If amazing. you haven't seen Cameron the piglet, you got to get on the Facebook page for, for Farm Sanctuary and check this little guy out. He's yeah. so Ridiculous. Funny. He's so ridiculous. So... Yeah, that, that was, was a good experience. That was a good experience. Mm-hmm. How about you? What it? What? Where? Well, it doesn't have to be one, but I know. I was gonna say it was the moment that I met Julia the pig. I felt like, you know, I felt like I was meeting. Never been too like starstruck by people. You know, like oh my god, there's so and so or whatever. But I felt if I was going to be starstruck, it was meeting Julia the pig, and because her story, she was. Um, a pig that was what had happened was the workers, some of the workers actually at the farm that she was at called to report the abuse because her abuse was so horrible. Um, They just blamed everything on her and she wasn't producing and they just beat her. They just beat this pig and she was, um, she was there, she was a breeding sow, so she was there to, you know, breed piglets. And anyway, I was so struck by her story when I first read it. And on that first day, Kevin said, do you want to meet, you know, Mouse or do you want to meet Julia? And I said, bring me to Julia. And I got right next to her and I just like got down on my knees and I gave her a kiss and I scrubbed her belly. And that was really amazing to see like just the beautiful life that she has now. It was really, really cool because she's been through so much, you know, like, like people, like we've been through so much, like we all have our battlefield. And so I felt really close to her. Um, Some intense uh, moments kind of along the same line is when we were driving through the Midwest and we, um, I was so fearful that this was going to happen because I knew it was going to happen, but we saw um, some of the slaughterhouse trucks on the highway and two times one went by and I just wanted to look away. Like I just didn't want to look at it. And I thought if I look away, I'm just pulling down that veil of denial, right? Like I know there's beings in there, there's souls in there and they're going to be slaughtered. And so I looked and, um, and I could just see a little nose of a cow sticking out of one of the little air holes and it was really hard to see and to think about these animals on that truck that were going to slaughter. And then there was another time where one pulled into a rest area or something like that, or we were coming out and I just saw like a this shoulder of like a pig leaning up against, and it was like, it's, you know, it's little flesh, this little pink skin was kind of coming out again, like one of those little air holes. And It was just a really intense experience to know that, you know, and I know they're just in the moment, but, you know, like just how loud that truck must have been and how rough the ride was and how many animals they had on there. And I don't know, it just really broke my heart. And then the funny thing was we actually passed a couple and it was, you know, I I was driving and I started crying and I was kind of voicing to you what was happening. And, and, you know, I just thought about, what what the spiritual message of that is and 
the spiritual message of that is that those animals were serving as an opportunity for me to, to heal that sadness within me. And so there's the beauty of it, right? The sadness came up. It's coming up right now. And so I have this opportunity to just feel it and, and know that they are there as messengers to help me heal whatever's unhealed within me. So they, we kind of passed them. I like, I was kind of always mentally tracking where they were. Cause I remember like we'd pull over for gas and I was like, Oh God, we're going to pull over for gas. And if we're here too long, then that freaking truck's going to go past again. And then we're going to pass it again. So we passed one again, like, and I remember thinking, well, at least, at least I'm not stuck behind it. And I was driving and you were like taking a nap. And I was like, you know, because there's always a bright side. Like, at least I don't have to drive behind the slaughterhouse truck with all the beautiful, amazing souls in there about to be killed. (laughs) And what happens? The slaughterhouse truck passes me and pulls over and now I'm behind it. And I'm just sitting behind it. Like, and the only thing I could do at that point was laugh because I was like, all right, I get it. Like, (laughs) I get it. Like, there's no avoiding this. I just have to face it and feel it and let it go. And, um, and yeah, so I said a little prayer for them and there's nothing I can do about it. The only thing I can do, you know, I wanted to rant. Remember I said that I go, I just want to get on like Facebook and do this rant. And I just knew that that wasn't helpful. And instead of taking that anger and putting it out into words, um, towards people that it's going to be fall on deaf ears. Um, with the exception of people already get it. And those aren't the people I need to reach. The only thing I can do is live by example. And the only thing I can do is make a choice every time I fill my plate with food, you know, and live the example, walk the walk, right? It's about this walking the walk and living the example. I'm not here to twist and turn and ring somebody into change. That's not it. I'm just here to live by the example of what I find to be a really vibrant life. Not necessarily an easy life, very, very challenging, but certainly majorly rewarding and the way that um, I plan to live for the rest of my life. So that was my intense moment. Did I get that across? I think you captured that. Okay. Okay. So best meal, most intense moment, most unexpected. Most unexpected. Wow. All right. Mine is you getting sick in Lake Placid. Like what was that? We had been up there for seven weeks. This was the race that you were going to like, everything was going to align. You were so ready to go and it never happened. It was the, I would say that was so hugely unexpected. And that was a whole podcast in and of itself. So link that baby up in the show notes. (laughs) If anybody didn't get the detachment one, that's a really, that's a really good one. You, you were just so amazing. And in the moment in that podcast and the things that you said were so divinely delivered it was beautiful i think that was unexpected from for me not that i got sick but how how i processed it in in the moment i don't even i I can't even tell you how how i got through it right now but i can tell you that i was there fully fully yeah with hope of racing on race day and just taking each day each meal each second that I could to yeah. to try and get myself healthy for 
Well, that reminds me. preparing to race. When we went to lunch with James, um, Iron Cowboy, we went to lunch with James and we were talking about the 50-50-50 and he was like, we were laughing because he was like, it's actually an impossible thing to do. Like, I know I did it, but it was impossible. And talking to his wife, Sunny, she said the same thing. She was just like. I don't know how it happened. It was impossible. Casey said the same thing. It was impossible. Like, it was impossible. And, but the way that they did it, was that they just, it was whatever was in front of them they dealt with. Like they were forced by the circumstances to just be in the moment. And that's how you were. Um, I would say another unexpected thing was the gas shortage. I was going to say that. Where, which really was a big, <laughs> that was a life transformation for you. I, I now, think. as soon as the gas hits half, I am looking for a <laughs> oh gas God. station. So want to be prepared like literally we're stopping at gas stations when we have three quarters of a tank and bj's filling up the gas tank because he was like two three days trying to get gas in so nashville. we were about four or five miles from town where we were staying in nashville the closest gas station and a gas shortage happened on saturday morning we realized that when i went into town and i probably went back into town that afternoon and the three or four gas stations there had no gas and then sunday morning I and I'm expending the fumes at this point because we were way below the one bar. No, we had no bars. There was no no bars. bars. And I went Sunday morning (laughs) for my run into town to check out the gas, and I saw that one gas station had it, and so I ran back and took a shower and had my smoothie bowl, and then went back to that gas station. They had just (laughs) uh, emptied out their their fuel so i was in a position now where i had to drive back to to the uh to the place we were staying and figure out how we were going to get gas because we were leaving in the next day or two we thought we were leaving the next thought day we were leaving. Or two. so yeah. then so then i went back in the afternoon for something i can't remember what it was maybe more gas to see if it was fueling up and i was at this gas station i don't even remember which one it was and it seemed like a truck was coming because they were they were moving some of the cones. And so I pulled up and, and they said a truck was coming in the next hour or so and that it would take one to two hours to actually fuel up. And when I first pulled up to the gas station till when I actually left the gas station, it was at least three hours. Yeah, it was a long time and it was really hot. And so that was unexpected. But there's, I feel like there's... I'm thinking about it. There's, there was a lot of intense moments, but um, well, you made them. Th- you made through. You made yeah, it through all you know, of them. it's about it's it's about just being, just showing up in that moment, and whether that's you know whether you're an athlete or not an athlete, it doesn't it it spans the test of time and profession and family life and and all of that, and you know, I think more so than than not, like the moments we've had as a couple for transforming like what have you what have you found about our our relationship (laughs) i think we know too much about each other now way too much and we we know too much about each other and we know too much about ourselves we know too much about ourselves that's what it is so when we engage and being on the road with your significant other for five plus months some things can... With not a lot of distraction. And not a lot of room. Just the two of us. I will say, yeah, we don't listen to music that often. We're, no. it's we, we have a lot of quiet time. <laughs> that may drive a lot of people crazy. But for us, it just seems to be the norm. I don't think 
the automatic reaction when getting in the car now is to turn on the radio. It's, it's really just to be in silence. But I love that. Like, I think that's one thing that I love so much about being married to you is that we could drive a hundred miles and not say a word. And I love that so much. And I mean, I think if, you know, you were to look at that, um, maybe from the stereotype of what a marriage is supposed to look like, people might think like, oh, that's not a good marriage. But for me, like that day that I, we were in Utah and I was literally crawling out of my skin and I just said to you, this has nothing to do with you. I just need space. And you just, you didn't ask me why. You didn't ask me what. You didn't ask me anything. You just walked away and gave me that space that I asked for. And that was huge. Like you didn't try and step in and save me. You didn't try and, oh, I'm so sorry. None of that was going to be helpful. So there was the fact that you gave me space, but the the underlying thing in that, that I will never forget about what you did for me that day is that you walked away from me because you saw me as being capable to handle whatever it was that I was moving through. Like you knew that I was going to come out the other side and maybe I would share with you, which I did share with you later, what it was all about and all of that. It was just this old, old stuff. And, um, you know, I think this ability to give each other space, like I can say to you, like, I mean, when we were in Boulder, I was like, can you just drop me off? Like you just drop me off. And then I, I was like, all right, when I'm ready, I'll let you know. And then you came and like got me like three or four hours later and we went to dinner and it was great, but just being able to walk away from each other without this neediness, right? Like the ego is so, it wants to make you needy and wants to make you have to save and wonder why and analyze and talk about it. But when you're just equipped as a person to, when you're awake, you know, and you're walking this path and you are equipped as a person, I think as a couple, we are equipped to be able to leave the other and know that it's going to be to the benefit and not to the detriment. But that's because we work on ourselves. I truly can I can empathize with where you are in that moment. And the last thing you want is somebody asking you questions. Because we get questions all the time. So working on ourselves, I feel like we're strong individual people. But when we're together, we're even stronger. We we understand each other's thought process yeah. and and. and reactions and I can see in your face what what you're thinking and it's also it was also prevalent not too long ago when the conversation was elevating and I was falling maybe into an old pattern of how I would react and in in a split moment it was the table turned and it was me I was like this is something it's it's all me like the reason why I feel irritated or uh, I feel my emotions coming up is because it's all about me. Something in me is not is not clicking. Is that so, when we were in Alexandria? I believe so. And we were in our friend's living room. Yeah, we were having a discussion. It was like, no, oh, it's me, it's me. Like because I think I asked you because we've been driving around with this propane tank, <laughs> which has been like our guru. It's a pro. It's a propane. <laughs> it's not a tank. It's one of those little yeah. Disposable. It was a tank until we gave that away, which was good. Right. But I had said, like, is the propane tank still in this, like, enclosed bag or so whatever. And it had a bit, it, like, the propane tank or the propane whatever you describe it as was kind of like our guru as a 
relationship builder. And I think it was that, me asking you if the propane was still inside this bag, and if so, could you take it out and air it out? And I felt like I kept having to ask for that, and you were like, it would charge you up. And so we were realizing in that moment that it had nothing to do with you or the propane tank or really anything. It was just, it was our individual perception stuff, or yeah stuff yeah coming up that we had an opportunity to to deal with so whether that's a bunch of animals in a slaughterhouse truck whether that's a gas shortage whether that is a propane tank it doesn't matter what it is it's you know we think about relationships and what a relationship should look like and it should be you know intimate and it should be connected and it should be and it, and it i think it is all of those things when you know when it becomes enlightened because you know i believe that like our intimacy as a couple is stronger than ever it's amazing but we're also able to you know be separate and that as an independent person, I've always been an independent free spirit. That's amazing for me. That's what I need. When we look at relationships in this country, I think we have like this, I, you know, one to five of what makes a good relationship. But when you think about relation, like a relationship, it's just like this ideal that we've all come up with. And if you think about a relationship just as like relating, right? So just relating in the moment, just take it, take the, take the, title and the expectation and of what a relationship's supposed to look like, how many times a week you're supposed to sit down and talk or have sex or whatever it is, and just bring it down to the moment like we always talk about. And it's relating in that moment. How do you want to relate in that moment? And I think, um, especially when you're talking about a husband and wife, there's a lot of history there. And so in family too, right? Like as we move into the holidays, Thanksgiving's coming up, there's so much baggage that comes with history. So we have this pre, pre-planned out idea of what it's going to look like. Like, oh, my, but you know, like, oh, my mother, let's say is, she's really high maintenance or, you know, whatever. Like you go in with all this history, you know, like, oh, I know how BJ works. I know how my husband works and this is how he's going to react. So we go in with all this history. Why just drill it down to just how are you going to relate in the moment? Like if you were to show up to your marriage every moment without all that history of how you think the person's going to react or whatever. If you just showed up like you were meeting somebody for the first time and you didn't have all this baggage, like how would that change the relationship moving forward? Because it's not about the past. It's about you know how you're yeah, going to do it moving forward. It's a new opportunity to set a new yeah a new emotion every time or a new reaction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you're fully engaging every yeah. moment. You're and it's easy to it's easy to just fall into that. Oh, I think it's you're so on cruise easy control. To be, cruise control. Yeah. Boom. But take it off cruise control and just drive every single mile. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know it, I I think that's. I think that's it right there. Like as far as if we're talking about marriage, what I've learned from our marriage, from this trip is just how do I want to relate to you in any given moment? I'm in charge of that. I get to control that. And if you're doing something that I don't care for, you know, if I think like it's wrong or whatever it is, if I say, and I was talking to you about this, I hope I can 
relate, if I can explain this correctly. Um, if I, if you're doing something that I don't like and I look at that as, oh, he's doing that again and that's so unconscious, I am tying you in deeper to that unconscious behavior. I'm not seeing you as who you truly are, which is a spirit, which is a soul, just in this body, living life. If I'm to look at you and wrong you and say that's not how it should be done and that's an unconscious behavior, I'm damning you to that unconscious behavior. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, as opposed to me just looking at it and saying, okay, well, how do I want to relate to that? Because that's the only thing I can control. And how do I want to see you? Like, I want to see you as that amazing spirit that you are, like believing in your excellence and walking this earth with greatness and offering out freely all of the gifts that you brought into this world. That's how I want to see you. I don't want to tie you into whatever that behavior is. If I think you're on Facebook too much when I'm trying to talk to you or whatever, like, I don't want to damn you to that identity. So it's up to me to relate to that moment. And if that moment pisses me off, well, that's my pissed off energy that I get to work with. It takes a, it takes a lot though to get to that Ugh. to get to that point. When you I turn know. it back on yourself. Yeah. When you turn it back on yourself, then, watch out. Yeah, you're you're owning it. Basically, you're committed to to making changes <laughs> moving forward. You have to own it and yeah. go with it full board like we're meeting a lot of people on this trip and having conversations with them you can easily fall into old patterns and judgments on what that person just from what they're saying but absolutely being here and being in that moment i can't stress this enough you're you're capturing that moment with them that one-on-one conversation as something new and you're listening to what they're saying and you can reply to what they're saying, not what you think yeah. based on anything else. Or you can just stay quiet. You can just stay quiet. And just listen. And it's, that's not always acceptable, Acceptable, believe me. Because you don't think you're paying attention. Right. And this idea of, you know, Bob really called me on it, this idea of like me trying to belong. Like stop trying to belong. If you don't like the conversation, don't be a part of it. Just listen to it. And see what comes up. And like, what's the essence of that? Okay, great. Now that's what you get to work with. But don't down your energy to a conversation that is not what you truly believe in or is aligned with your values. I don't want to condemn you to being an unconscious being, which is so not what you are. So again, it's just relating in the moment, you know, so if you're listening to this and maybe you're driving home from work or you're driving to work, you know, and there's that person who you think you know so well and you, you know how they're going to react. Like, what if you just showed up in the moment and then chose how you were going to relate to that moment as opposed to bringing all this baggage in, dumping it on that person and pretty much damning them into a role, yeah, how does that work out? Yeah, it doesn't work out very well, I don't think. It no. it's very cyclical. It's like a gerbil in a wheel. So And you know what the you know what the outcome is when you react that way. Yeah. It's a it's a it's your set pattern. And how does that work? Ask yourself, how's that working out for you? I love that's the best question. How's it working out for you? How's that working for you? Bob has that all the time. So you, you reply <laughs> like, you know, I've been really, you know, trying to focus on this and it it might not be the the smartest thing. And he always asks like, 
how's that working out for you? Yeah. And I'm like, it's not working out great now that you say it. So maybe I need to change something. It's always, it's a good question. Yeah. All right. Anything else about the, I mean, there's so much about the trip and people keep saying like, I want to know all the details of your trip and everything. I mean, I guess to sum it up, it's just, it's been more than what I ever could have imagined. I have learned so much about myself. I have grown so much. I have experienced very intense moments. I have experienced absolute pee in your pants, hysteria, like, not hysteria, like hysterical <laughs> laughter, maybe a little hysteria. And beauty, like the beauty of the country when we were driving through Utah and we're, it was just so amazing and we were, and it was so expansive and we were thinking about the, the polarity of that, of when we were staying in Midtown Manhattan and that tiny little street where people were like barreling down and we had to like unload the car and Clark was like, had to go to the bathroom on the concrete and we're in Utah and it's like, it's as far as you can see and the sky is so big. And there's just, there's so much out there to see. It's been really a special experience that has changed me forever. I couldn't agree more. The The people, for me, the people that we've met on this journey or the people we've engaged with and, and the conversation, the one-on-one conversation that we have I crave conversations with people, yeah. that one-on-one, oh, that one-on-one communication and engagement. Yeah. It's- and the interviews, you guys, that we have coming up, that we, we've got about three months of interviews, solid, in the queue of all the people that, um, that we've met along the way. And we've re- really been like, oh, we got to do them in order. They're time sensitive. And now we're just kind of like each week we're feeling who needs to be brought out. And so we're just intuitively choosing each interview every week. And so we're this week and um, we'll see who comes up next week. But the next step is California. And stay tuned because I think this is going to be a really, really big, huge piece of our experience and we can't wait to share it see where it takes us we we're we're at the mercy of this trip and keeping all channels open and truly embracing whatever california wants to show us all right you guys that's it this episode with beach and i asked the yts responding to some common questions that we've been getting about where we are what's next, and what's been going on. So if you are left with more questions, definitely send those in. If you have questions about meditation, triathlon training, running, racing, facing your fears, plant-based nutrition, whatever it is, we're here to share our knowledge, you guys. This show is not for you. It's not for us. It's for all of us. It's for the collective. So thanks so much for tuning in. Please keep sharing the podcast. This is how it's growing every week because of you guys. We are so appreciative of everything that you're doing to spread the high vibe out there in the world. And please check out the show notes, you guys. We have amazing sponsors. We've got some awesome discounts, products that we use, that we love, we've lived by on this tour. So we'll check in with you next week. In the meantime... Ride that high vibration of life. Keep meeting the moment and choosing how you're going to relate to it. This is how we become the architects of our life.